the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation, 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is a holiday special all about treats for your feet and vascular issues that can arise during the winter. We have with us Dr. David Alper. He is a podiatrist. Hi, David. Pleasure to see you again, Kim. And of course, my fabulous co-host, Dr. John Phillips. Hello, Kimberly. Uh, Happy Christmas Eve. (laughs) I know, right? Any words of wisdom before we jump into the the topic of the day? Dr. John Phillips, spectacular, vascular moment of inspiration. Well, you know, this was a tough one for me because I wanted to get a, a, a Santa Claus quote, which... You know, those are kind of hard to come by. But I I did get a quote from St. Nicholas of Mira, who uh, is thought to be the the, the, kind of the figure behind Santa Claus. And we don't get into religion too much, but obviously Christmas is a Christian holiday. So he said that, uh, and I quote him here, the giver of every good and perfect gift has called upon us to mimic his giving by grace through faith. And this is not ourselves. So I think this is about being selfless and the, the season of giving. So it's important that, uh, you know, we recognize those that have less than us and give when we can. But uh, at the end of the day, um, happy to be here. Looks like we're going to have kind of a fun show with our, with our good friend and favorite podiatrist. So um, let's, let's let her go. Let's rip this thing up. It's so interesting. That quote is, is so appropriate because I think in the medical profession, there's so many of uh, amazing medical professionals such as yourself and also David Alper that give so much of yourself. You're incredibly selfish, selfless. And um, especially the, the most passionate doctors are not nine to fivers. We have so many doctors that give out their cell phones to their patients. And for example, Dr. David Alper spends so much time online in a lot of our um, patient networks answering questions 24 seven. And so, you know, big shout out to the medical community for, for being so selfless. And especially again, I think that, you know, I kind of preach into the choir here, but during COVID, especially um, the heart of COVID, all the healthcare workers, you know, a big thank you to all of them. You're you're exactly right. Even I was having a meeting with one of our administrative uh, senior administrative folks today and, she was commenting that she too has to carry a pager and they're on call for um, at, at a lot of times we're dealing with capacity management issues. There's not enough beds, not enough staff. Uh, so I think it's important too during the holiday season to be thankful for all those that are working during the holidays, not only healthcare yeah. professionals, but also recognize that if you do have to go to the hospital, try to have some patience because there's not a lot enough nurses Everybody's a little bit on edge. Um, the flu season is just kind of, at least in Ohio here, running fairly rampant. Uh, so um, just count to 10 before you explode on someone, I guess, if you're frustrated. And that probably this probably goes, this that, this echoes too with traveling, right? <laughs> so if you're, if you're right. about to get on a plane, be, be nice too. <laughs> keep the road rage down as well as long as Exactly, keep the road rage down. And, you know, and even another reason, just have to bring this up, that stress causes inflammation in your arteries. And that leads to further atherosclerosis building up. And it can also lead to clotting. 
Uh, yeah, it does. From Not a reason. Yep. From a cardiology standpoint, we do see a little bit of an uptick in there's what's called a stress induced cardiomyopathy, where uh, typically affects older women and it can mimic a heart attack. And I think there is some seasonal relationship to that. Um, So, yeah, don't get too stressed out. This Christmas and the holidays are about being with family and friends. So, you know, just chill and have fun. And I think it's a good way to drink a little more eggnog. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that this is actually a good way to um, kick off because um, talking about the holiday season and the few staff that are on call at these medical facilities and how do you decide as a patient with especially vascular issues or even, you know, viral issues, how do you decide at what point you're going to go and I mean, your only option really at, at, during between Christmas and New Year's is the emergency room, is those urgent care centers, which are already going to be completely overwhelmed. And so we never want to deter anyone from going to emergency. If you think you are having a medical emergency, definitely go. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. But maybe you can provide some guidance um, from both of your perspectives um, you know, David and John, um, what would lead you to sending a patient to emergency during the holiday season? Well, I think from my viewpoint, which of course is the ankles down, um, the word is change. You know, if there is a change in what you consider normal, not what the world considers, excuse me, but what you consider normal, you suddenly develop a burning, you suddenly notice a reddened area or a red streak going up your foot or through your toes or something. Uh, This is not the time to play the guessing game. This is time to get some professional eyes on these things. And especially if you have underlying conditions like PID PID or diabetes, um, it's just not worth the risk. And you say, well, you know, I'll wait until after New Year's. A whole lot can change in one week. A whole lot can change in one week. And especially, Kim, when we're dealing with extreme temperatures, you know, everybody, most of the country, for whatever reason, is in the middle of a cold snap now. So for you to be outside in 10, 15, 20 degrees and you've got compromised circulation, I mean, this is going to be affecting yourself under any conditions and especially if you don't have the proper ones. So I would encourage people that if you notice a change from what you consider norm, that's the reason to go and get checked out. Now, having said that, if you're somebody who has the good habits of keeping an eye on what your feet look like, of keeping an eye on what your legs look like on a somewhat regular basis. And I know you and John and the others have encouraged people to do um, self-examinations. You're going to be a little more aware if that change is happening. So it's vitally important to do you know, the three-minute vascular exam whenever you can to be at a minimum looking at your feet or if you can see or get down there. And Lord knows as we get older, it's harder to get down there. Your feet get farther away as you get older. Um, to have someone else in the house look at them and see, you know, you know, yes, dad or yes, mom, your feet look just the way they did yesterday. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, an acute thing like a cut or a wound, you step on something, you break a nail, anything like that, and you've got diagnosed PAD, you get to the emergency room. And you can, you know, bring them a fruitcake if you're worried about upsetting <laughs> you. Uh, everybody's got a fruitcake to get rid of, right? right. But um, but you get yourself. Thanks, yeah. friends. <laughs> there we go. But you, yeah, you, you get yourself with anything acute, you get yourself to the emergency room. And you're talking about PAD. So for those who aren't uh, aware of that peripheral artery disease, PAD, restricted blood flow in your leg arteries due to some plaque buildup. It can be different types of plaque. It could be anything from a softer plaque, such as a clot, clear up through rock hard calcium. Yeah, and I think we have, what, about a minute left in, in the segment, but I would echo what David had said and we can expand on it after, but uh, clearly with COVID, we learned that the waiting game really doesn't work. It was amazing because our ERs, our ER is packed all the time. And with COVID, there was nobody right. there. So clearly people use it for maybe reasons they shouldn't. But at the end of the day, we did start seeing people who had let things go 
whether it be chest pain that turned into a heart attack or a, a blocked artery that turned into an ulcer that then turned into, you know, a foot that's falling off. So the waiting game doesn't work. And I would agree with Dr. Elvis as well. It's like, listen, if something's changed and you're worried, at least call somebody. We always have somebody on call. We can try to navigate it a little bit on the phone. But if you have to get checked out, you've got to get checked out. And coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, we'll have more with Dr. David Alper and Dr. John Phillips. So stay with us. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to StandAgainstAmputation.com. That's StandAgainstAmputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to TheHeartOfInnovation.org. That's TheHeartOfInnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are having our Christmas Eve show and joined by our favorite podiatrist, Dr. David. And Kimberly's here. We've got Douglas in the chat as well as some other folks. During the break, we were kind of just talking about how to assess maybe some changes in your body during the holidays and whether or not to go to the hospital. And one of the things we touched on was a blood clot or a DVT. Those those are very frequent. Um, they occur when uh, folks are a little bit more sedentary. And really the biggest kind of red flag there is a, the swelling of the limb um, and, and swelling in one leg, not necessarily the other. That is a medical emergency. <clears throat> if you develop some pain, swelling, or we call it edema in the calf or in the thigh, difficulty walking, that's a new change. That definitely needs uh, medical attention. So, uh, you know, listen to your body. Your body, Mother Nature is pretty smart. She she doesn't steer you wrong too often. And if something has changed acutely, at least call your healthcare provider and, and try to get some guidance that way. And I believe we have... Um... One of our pad warriors, we call, you know, some of our friends who have peripheral artery disease or PAD um, warriors. And we have one of them. We have our chief warrior, Douglas, who's here, who's collecting questions from some of the folks in our studio audience. Douglas, um, what is the first question that you have collected? This is for Dr. Offer. Uh, it's kind of like a combination of two questions in one. The, from Carmi, she talks, we hear this a lot about the socks what proper socks and the shoes that we want to wear during this time of year because hiking boots and the weather and the snow and proper fit for the shoes. You've talked about that before a lot, Dr. Alper, and it, it, it's brought up a lot in the group. All right. Well, yeah, and it's really cold. <laughs> well, it is really cold and, and it's really an excellent question because as with many things, you know, you're only as good as your equipment. And if your equipment's working against you, it's a bigger problem. So socks are first. Um, number one, cotton blends are the best way to go. You don't want 100% synthetic because it doesn't breathe. You don't want 100% cotton because it stays wet too long. So you want a, a good 40-60, 50-50 combination of cotton. Uh, those that say they have to be white or even older than me, uh, you don't have to worry about colors anymore because the dyes are fast. So you don't have to worry about that. But the thing that you want to watch right off the bat, if you take your sock off and you've got a ring around your calf at the top of the sock, that sock's too tight. And it's working against everything that Dr. Phillips is trying to do. And God, don't grab a rubber band or tie a knot in it or something at the top to keep them up. There is such a thing as diabetic socks, and you don't need to be diabetic to wear them. But they are designed specifically with a very broad area of elastic. So it will keep your sock up without creating a tourniquet around it. 
And they're not all white. They, they come in colors. You can look nice with them and et cetera. But that's the best way to go. It is cold outside. And just like you layer the rest of your body, layering your feet is a good way to keep them warm. So two thinner socks are definitely better than one thick sock. But you also need to make sure you're not overstuffing your shoe because you start putting two and three socks on and you don't change your shoe size and you're cutting off the circulation because the shoe's too tight. So you may need to go up half the size in order to accommodate this. So I often tell people a thinner pair and then a thicker pair will really work very well to layer it up as far as that goes. Again, Douglas, you're right. I've been emphasizing the size of shoes. You should be able to grab the end of your shoe without touching your big toe when you're sitting so that when you stand, there's room for your foot to expand, which is what it wants to do when you stand. And you shouldn't be straining the sides of the shoe as far as tightness goes. Do not assume that the shoe is going to stretch out as you wear it. You don't want to use your foot as a stretcher. It should fit the minute you put it on. And a little side note, always buy shoes towards the end of the day. Don't buy them first thing in the morning because your feet are about a half size bigger in the evening than they are when you first get up. So you really want to make the room for that. This time of the year, people wear boots. Boots are fine. Nothing wrong with them. But they can also sometimes be a little cold on the bottom, especially if you're circulation challenged. So there's a wonderful thing that's been sold for decades that is an insole with leather on the bottom and wool on top. Really? Simply, Yeah, they're wonderful. They're like 10 bucks, Amazon, huh. shoe stores, whatever. You take out of the shoe the insole that comes with the shoe because, again, you don't want to overstuff your shoe, and you put this in, and you're standing on a nice wool cushion that's going to keep the heat inside the shoe and keep the cold on the outside from radiating in. They don't let much support, but they do give warmth. And so they're great for just keeping your feet nice and warm. So the extended part about the socks, over the calf, at calf, or ankle socks, does it make a difference? Yes. Over the calf is always better to go. You've got more meat there, which means you're less likely to tourniquet. Uh, you go around the ankle, you don't have a whole lot of meat there. It's a lot easier to kind of cut down the circulation. Um, I know the young kids, you know, my kids as well, like to do the anklet ones just above the shoe. Um, I don't recommend them in the winter anyway, because your ankle is going to get cold. But if you can get in, you know, you don't have to go all the way up to the knee, but if you go mid-calf, it's generally going to be accepted a little better for your leg, and especially as far as circulation goes. What, what about what, at home? You know, do you suggest any sort of electric socks? We always get asked about electric socks, uh, electric battery socks operated. Electric socks or things like that. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with them as long as they're in good shape. I mean, you're not going to electrify yourself. They usually run on like, you know, a three or six volt charge. Yeah. Um, the, the warning I would give with those is if you happen to be somebody that has neuropathy, that has a loss of sensation in your feet, I would not do that because then there's no way in the world that you're knowing if they're getting too hot or or if they stopped working and they're suddenly too cold. Let me let me ask a, a follow-up question on that then. What do you recommend with respect to duration of time a patient or person that may have neuropathy is outside in, in this cold weather? Because, you know, maybe they don't feel like their foot is getting cold, but yet they're still out there. Obviously, they have boots on, things of that nature. I mean, do you, you probably don't give them a hard and fast, hey, only be out for, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. But what, what is a good way to, I mean, what, how, how do you kind of think about that? Is it like if your hands are getting really cold, maybe your feet are getting cold as well, and that's a good time to go in? Or what do you think? As you well know, John, hands and feet don't really correlate too well. I mean, yes, toes and feet are both at the ends and circulation small. But, you know, toes being the farthest branch of the tree. Um, What I often tell people is you have to kind of work your way up a little bit and you need to observe. So I would not be out more than 15 minutes for the first time and then take your shoes and socks off and assess your feet. You got blue toes. You got white toes. You can't feel the ends of your toes. That's too long out there. If everything feels perfectly fine, you could probably try a half hour the next time. You know, needless to say, this has got to be moving when you're doing it. What you don't want to be doing is standing still for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you know, standing at a bus stop. Um, I don't know, selling something outside. I mean, I can't think of 
a lot of reasons why people would stand in the cold. But you want to make sure that you're moving because, of course, every time a human being takes a step, the muscles in your calf expand and contract and act like a secondary pump for your heart. So it's getting that circulation going through there. But there's got to be a little bit of experimentation. And please, everybody, remember, just because you could do a half hour in 2021 doesn't mean you can do a half hour in 2022. It's called that, that little thing aging and things change. And so <laughs> we don't really, like to hear that. <laughs> oh, well, I know. But listen, you know, this all used to but be written. the other thing. The other thing, too, David, is you don't want that patient to come in whose foot is cold and they feel it cold to then all of a sudden turn on the hot water and do that. Exactly they're going right. to potentially burn the foot as well. Now you got an, another big problem. Well, and that's 100 percent correct. You know, you don't want to have your circulation go through what's called spasm. You know, if you need to warm your feet, you wrap them in, in a towel, you, you know, not an electric blanket, a towel, a warm blanket. You can massage them. Don't rub aggressively. You can hurt the skin, but you can massage them and work the circulation a little bit. But God, do not fill a tub with hot water and stick your feet into it because A, you're not going to feel it's too hot and B, it's going to shock your system, which is not doing anybody any good. Just like things need to cool down slowly things need to warm up slowly. So that's an excellent point, John. Thank you. And on that note, we'll be right back with more The Heart of Innovation. So stay with us. So you have been diagnosed with peripheral arterial disease and your doctor is planning to perform an angiogram to assess blood flow to your legs and potentially in that blood flow to help with your symptoms. Sometimes in doing that, we will try to remove the plaque or the debris that has built up within the arteries using a technique called atherectomy. So what does that mean? Hi, I'm Dr. John Phillips with this week's medical notepad brought to you by Cardiovascular Systems Incorporated patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation and the Way to my heart. So, what is atherectomy? Well, simply put, atherectomy means removing the plaque or the buildup from within the vessel wall by using several different techniques, again, ultimately trying to improve blood flow and help relieve your symptoms. There are about four classes of devices that are used for atherectomy. One type is called rotational, where basically we Roto-root a hole through the plaque or the debris to help, again, improve the blood flow. The device sometimes can have multiple blades at the tip of it that spin in a circular motion to cut through the plaque. Another type of atherectomy is called orbital. And this is kind of like a sander that spins in a orbital pattern to shave off and disrupt the plaque or calcium that is within the wall. There's also directional atherectomy, where we are able to point a blade and shave plaque in different directions, kind of moving through it like the quadrants of a clock. Finally, there is laser. And this actually uses energy to break down the plaque and vaporize it, truly at the molecular level. You can ask your doctor which type of atherectomy they like to use. And make sure you ask questions, what are the risks and benefits of using the procedure and why they're choosing to use that device over another. And ultimately after your doctor removes some of that plaque, they will likely perform angioplasty, which is using a balloon to inflate within the vessel wall to further push the plaque aside and improve the blood flow. It is rare, but some doctors will not use a balloon after atherectomy, <clears throat> and some doctors don't use atherectomy, but just balloon angioplasty alone. As we like to say, there's more than one way to bend the knee and kiss the ground when treating peripheral arterial disease. Different doctors have different tools, techniques, and philosophies, and level of ex expertise. So it's important that you're comfortable with your physician if they're planning to do an angiogram and help improve your blood flow. With this week's medical notepad, I'm Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. 
For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our conversation, I guess, about foot care, right? I mean, it is the holiday season, and we are talking about stocking stuffers. So what better thing to <laughs> stuff a stocking with your feet, right? Oh. So here we go. Um, nice no, one. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Good, but, and you know, we were We were, uh, during the break, we were kind of talking about not uh, forgetting to take care of the basics and folks with diabetes can have problems uh, with um, athlete's foot. They can have problems just with their toenails. So David, uh, tell us your little quick and dirty secret to allow having that patient evaluate the vascular health of their foot at home in under three minutes or so. Right. Absolutely. And it's called the three minute foot exam, John. And, and what a uh, guess. this is not just for people with diabetes, though it kind of gets an exclamation point for them. Um, and it's really all about looking. And I will preface this by saying that if you do not reach your feet comfortably, then you get a loved one. And these people out there love you enough that they'll do this for you um, to get down there and do this for you. So the first thing you want to do is you want to check whether or not there's a difference in the temperature between your lower legs and your feet. And you check that with the back of your hand and you simply run the backs of your hand down your shins at the same time. What are you looking for? You're looking for a difference in temperature between your left leg and your right leg. And you're looking for a difference in temperature from your knee down to the top of your foot. Normally, your temperature should be pretty much the same all the way through. Now, obviously, don't do this two minutes after you come in from the outside. You want to be inside the house for a while. But the point is that if there's a difference in temperature between your legs, the circulation is different between you. So let me just interrupt you right there. That's a huge point, right? Because I bet you there are a lot of people listening, present company included, uh, that are thinking, well, my feet are always cold or that's me. Uh, you know, it's like I can't I can't get I can't get warm. But you're specifically saying a difference between the legs, right. right? Right. If both your feet are chilly. Well, that's normal for you, John, or for you, Kim. But if one foot feels nice and toasty and the other one feels chilly, there's something going on there, you know. And obviously, if you notice a color difference, if one foot or leg is whiter than the other or bluer than the other or redder than the other, any of these colors, you know, change, difference. We're supposed to be somewhat mirror images of ourselves. So the second thing you want to be looking for is a lack of hair growth, where you suddenly notice that you knew you had hair on your legs. You either used to shave your legs on a regular basis, or if you're men, you just knew you had hair there. And all of a sudden you're noticing you don't have hair as you get down to your ankle. Well, here's the deal. The grass doesn't grow if you don't water it. So if the gra- if the hair is not growing, it's not getting circulation. And it's a very subtle change, but it's a very important change to notice. And it's something your doctor should be noticing when you go in for your foot exam and your leg exam. But it's certainly something you can check yourself. And the third thing to do is to take your big toe or somebody take it for you and press on the end of it or give it a squeeze until it blanches, until it turns white. And then let go and count the number of seconds it takes to turn to a normal color again. If it takes more than three seconds to turn red again, that is a sign of small circulation change. And something is brewing in there, and that's a reason to have it looked at. Now, once again, if you have somebody like my colleagues here whose toes are white normally because they're always cold, it's a little tougher to check. And this, again, is where you may want your physician to do it. And the truth is you can check any of your toes. The big one's the easiest one. But Under normal conditions, if you don't have chronically cold feet, this is a very good way to check what we call the peripheral circulation or the tiny circulation. What about what about uh, a pulse ox? I mean, I've I I think a lot of people were buying pulse ox in covid to if they had covid, they checked to see what their their oxygen levels were. Um, So, you know, you clip it to the thumb or whatever. Right. Doing that to their toes and or does that. They are. We do have quite a few in our networks that are using it for their toes. Does that work? At least Uh, trying. Not not dependably enough, to be very honest with you. I never had one in my office 
just because it wasn't really a valid thing. I mean, at the end of the day, the circulation, and you could speak to this better than I can, John, but the circulation going down your arms and your hands is really more consistent. You know, you go through times of the day where you're not using your feet and legs. So, you, you know, you do the pulsometer after sitting at your desk for three hours, as opposed to doing it, you know, when you took a four-mile walk. Mm-hmm. Or you just finish cooking dinner, or you watch TV for two hours. There's too many variations in the activity where, with your hands and your arms, you're moving them all day long. And so there's a little more of a consistency of blood flow. And so the reading is tends to be a, a little more useful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no harm in doing it, but I wouldn't say it's something that, that we really hang our hat on as far as being able to get something out of it. Now, when your doctor does your three-minute exam, they're also going to check the pulses in your feet. And feet are great. you got one on the top of your foot, and you've got one behind your ankle. And they not only should be checking to see if they're good or diminished pulses, but again, they want to compare left and right foot. But this is an important point to remember. What you don't want is to have a doctor that's a little too busy, and he checks the pulses on your feet and says, oh, you got good pulses, Mrs. Jones, you're fine. You have to remember that there's a different parts of circulation. And just because that big blood vessel on the top of your foot is pulsing away does not mean you've got good circulation in your toes. And that's why that capillary filling and the other changes we're talking about are important to check as well. I like to use pasta, even though you shouldn't be eating it, as, as a way of defining this. That if you think of the blood vessel on the top of your foot, that's about the size of linguine. Yet the blood vessels in your toes are about the size of angel hair pasta. And a whole lot more gets through linguine than gets through angel hair. So if you use that image, yes, they should be checking it up here, but that's not where they should be stopping. They got to check everything all along the way. Feel free to use that, Dr. Phillips. I'm I'm just going to head out and boil some water to get some pasta. There we go. So once you've had all this, this three-minute exam check, then it's a matter of just looking at the quality of your feet. You're looking for reddened areas, which usually indicate that you're rubbing inside your shoe or something's rubbing against it. Obviously, if you find a cut, a hole, a bruise, something leaking out, that's an emergency if you have PAD. And that's something that should be seen by a professional. Get thee to the podiatrist and have them treat that appropriately. So I, I have to ask about like rubbing and, and things of that nature. And maybe this is just what we sometimes see in Ohio, but I've had several patients who have neuropathy and they let their cats or dogs kind of like oh. lick their feet sometimes, yeah. which obviously that's a night is for infection. Um, and, and actually we had one patient whose dog like ate part of their toe, uh, which I mean, I mean, oh, Oh, because they can't feel anything. They can't feel it. Right. And so, I I mean, do you tell your patients to kind of have your pets stay away from that area or? Well, I will tell you, I've treated numerous people with moderate infections in their calves because of cat scratches. Yes. Yes. And if you think about what a cat is scratching, like a litter box, you really don't want them scratching your skin. Um, You shouldn't be walking barefoot anyway. You should have socks on all the time. That's a good point. So your cats can't get at your skin. Um, there's a whole lot of other ways that your animals can let the, you know they love you without licking your feet. Um, I know people think dogs' mouths are cleaner than our mouths. Well, I'm not licking your foot either, so I don't think that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, so glad, glad we got um, that uh, settled. <laughs> yes, um, the best solution Fair for enough. that, John, is, is really the tried and true. Your feet should be covered at all times. Yeah, that's a good point. That's an excellent point. Yeah, you know. Um, As far as the winter goes, Kim, a unique thing is that athlete's foot and fungus infections of the skin are much more prevalent in the winter. Why? Because it's dark and damp and and tight inside your shoe, which is what funguses love. So you see a lot more athlete's foot because you're sweating and et cetera. Best thing to do, powder, powder, powder. That should be part of getting dressed in the morning. I don't care what powder, you know, almonds, gold bond, baby, whatever. But sprinkling a little powder between your toes is a great way for preventing athlete's foot and breaking down of skin. If you get athlete's foot, the athlete's foot powder is good at preventing it. It's not good at curing it. And then get yourself a good over-the-counter athlete's foot cream. You want to put it on twice a day for 10 days. Even if it clears up after three or four days, 
do it for 10 days because you really want to make sure you kill it. And then you can go back to using the powder again. But that's once again, part of the foot exam. Look between your toes. If you see sloughing, if you see leakage, if you see redness, if it itches, if you can feel the itching, this again is something you want to react to. Coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, we'll have more with Dr. David Albers, who stay with us. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. David Elper and Doug Douglas. We've got uh, we've got a question from the chat, huh? Pedicures, yes, baby. Uh, it comes back to Dr. Alper about pedicures. Well, so here's the long and the short of pedicures. He's a big fan of them. <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> that, you know. It's, uh, you I'll like him personally, Dr. Alper. Do you practice what you preach, Dr. Alper? <laughs> oh, listen, absolutely. The only person that does my wife's nails are mine, and I can actually stay in the lines, so I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> so here's the deal. Unfortunately, you just can't always tell that the hygiene in a pedicure shop is the best. And there are certainly some that do an excellent job. They, they sterilize their instruments. They, they sterilize the bowls. But there are other people that just throw the water out, fill it up again. And you're soaking in the same thing that Mrs. Jones did 15 minutes ago. So if you've got circulation issues, whether it's from diabetes, from PAA or whatever, please, please do not do the pedicure thing. Because God forbid that they cut you. They have no way of treating you for this cut. And you don't know whether what cut you was sterile or not. And that is a great way to get an infection that's going to become a real issue. There is nothing wrong with painting your nails. It's a nice thing to do. You should not leave the paint on eternally. Your nails do need to breathe occasionally. And so painting them at the end of the summer and leaving it on to the beginning of the summer just doesn't let tissues to breathe. So you can certainly leave it on for a few weeks and then take it off. And of course, the wintertime is the best time not to paint them at all, because most people aren't seeing your feet anyway. So it's not really a problem. You should wear your socks just your nail. I'm sorry. You should wear your socks just not to bed. Exactly. Exactly. Your feet are hiding in socks, hiding in shoes. Don't wear your socks when you're sleeping. You do want things to cool a little bit. You want things to breathe. But if you're out of that bed, you should have the socks on. Shoes are even better. As far as cutting your nails go, if you cannot comfortably see and reach your feet, please have somebody else that loves you very much uh, cut your nails for you. And of course, we always say straight across. And by doing this, you're going to be protecting your feet. Now, another part of health for your feet is to move. And for that, I'm going to kick it over to our good Dr. Phillips, because it's a little harder to move in the wintertime, John, because there's three feet of snow outside. Well, you know, it's so cold. They, they, they say two things are certain death and taxes. I'll add a third weight gain over winter. Uh, So I can't tell you how many times I'll see a patient and it'll be, there'll be winter or spring. And, you know, we look at their weight. Oh, they put a few extra pounds on. And I always ask what happened? Well, I know what happened, right? It's holidays. They're eating more, they're inside and they're not exercising. So as a cardiologist, the thing that I tell patients If they take nothing from my visit with me, the more exercise they do, and typically aerobic, the longer they're going to live, the less likely they're going to die from a cardiovascular event, and actually the less likely they're going to get cancer. And that that has been proven in studies. So what do you do when it's cold out? Well, you know, if you're if you're sequestered to your house, because I still have patients who don't want to go out with the cold weather, but also because of COVID and things, you have to find a way to get some movement activity at home, whether it's pacing your house, buying a treadmill, elliptical, whatever, but getting out and moving, getting those steps in and, and, and actually, you know, getting your heart rate up a little bit. Patients also tell me all the time, well, you know, at work, I, you know, I got my 10,000 steps and well, that's, you know, a lot of start and stop. So you have to exercise dedicated 20, 30 minutes, four to five times a week, get your heart rate up, feel like you've worked out and you're going to be much better off. The other thing too, is patients will go to the malls. They'll walk in the malls or, uh, one of my patients called it a big box store, which I assume is like Target or 
Home Walmart, Depot or, or Walmart or something, yeah. you know, walk around through those. But you have to, at the end of the day, you have to decide that you want to stay active and there are means of doing it. Silver sneakers too, I know is something that a lot of, a lot of people. And a lot of insurance doing. actually cover that as well. Yeah, yeah, Silver exactly. Sneakers. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we have, we've talked about this too, the set PAD um, cardiac re it's cardiac rehab for folks with peripheral arterial disease insurance will cover that structured exercise program. If there's a will, there's a way, but again, during the holidays, people are eating more and you kind of feel like, well, I'll just have one more brownie or one more, you know, piece of cheesecake, but that adds up particularly if you're not exercising. So for the love of God exercise. Well, one of the things that I think make it really easier, a lot of people, you can't afford you know, a treadmill and, and some people live in neighborhoods in which they're concerned about getting out. And so number one, we, we say, you know, go and volunteer at a local animal shelter and volunteer to walk dogs right around the shelter. But number two, and this is a great use for any gift card you might get for an online marketplace. It's a foot bicycle, which yep. can also couple as a hand bicycle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for those who can't afford them, contact the way to my And we help to provide those for people who, who don't have access to them or, or can't afford them because you can get a great cardiovascular workout. It's been proven in studies by using a hand bicycle. Yep. And then, you know, while you're sitting watching TV, watching those great holiday movies, my favorite Hallmark channel, little plug there. Uh, I use, <laughs> you found me out. Oh, I'm a God. sucker for romance. Um, <laughs> you can use it, just sit in your chair and you can move your feet, um, which is, is fantastic. But, you know, along those lines, a lot of people ask about those um, boots, the circulation boots. What do you think about the circulation boots as a means to increase circulation, the ones that you can get from those online marketplaces? I'll say something quickly, and then I'd love to hear what David has to say. For certain patients, we recommend pneumatic pumps and, and things of that nature for venous insufficiency or lymphedema, which is the swelling of the legs. But I, I don't know that, I'm, you know, you know, the, that thing that people can buy and put around their chest and it like pulsates and it gives you a six pack or something. Yeah, I, I don't think that works. You got to do sit ups. And, it, and it's the same thing for this, too. I think you can't um, substitute. Uh, some type of comp- compression thing for actual exercise, in my opinion. I'll simply say, if it was that easy, we would all be built like Kim. I mean, <laughs> that's right. You know, um, I don't recommend them, John. They, you know, it works while it's on, and you take it off, and a half hour later, you know, the sand settles all over again. Um, it would con- it may concern me if there's neuropathy. There's concerning me if the skin is not you know, of a good quality because I could see skin getting irritated. But at the real end of the day, I I don't think they change anything because our bodies are not designed to grow muscle simply from compression, which is what they're sort of claiming that they will. So I'm not a fan of them, Kim. I mean, I'm certainly happy to read a study if anybody has one from a valid, you know, lab. But no, I, I think like John says, you know, Eat right and exercise. It's a concept. I will throw out Alper's axiom, though, because there are going to be some people out there that are going to say, you know, I just can't walk a half hour a day. My body just won't let me do it. Ten minutes, three times a day is just as effective as one half hour walk. So if you can't do it all at once, break it up into segments. Now, as Dr. Phillips says, it's got to be a little breathtaking walk. I mean, you don't want to, you know, go from the fridge to the dining room table and back to the fridge again. But if you break it up into three 10-minute segments, you've done a half hour of good aerobic exercise, and that's good enough for a day. And if that's what you can do, that's fabulous. That's fabulous. So no excuses. Get out there. And those little um, pedals on a frame, wonderful. I used to give them to my patients all the time too. Right under the desk, you're not going anywhere, and it doesn't matter, but you're moving. So they're fabulous. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I mean, as a, the only issue that I've had is you got to put them together. The ones that are low cost. <laughs> yes, they work, but you have to be a little bit of a. <laughs> well, you know, we're putting put all together. We're putting everything together at Christmas time, whether it's a bike or a dollhouse. So, you know, 
what's a what's a little frame? It, it's as simple as that. You know, we can't emphasize enough the fact that caring for yourself means doing the, the really most logical things, you know, of, of moving, of eating properly, of looking and noting change and keeping an eye out for change, of responding whether there is change. You know, I, I've said this many times to many, many patients. We physicians will do everything in our power to do what we can to help you. But you've got to own your condition too. And you've got to own your own body. And this is where you can do it yourselves by being body aware and responding appropriately to things that you just know are not right. And you know your own body better than anybody else. So you notice things that are different, react. And for God's sakes, take good care of it. Not just this time of the year, any time of the year. Yep. Never wait till tomorrow. We'll coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation. We'll have more with Dr. David Alper, so stay with us. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We're going to jump right over to Douglas. You have a question from the chat from one of our our viewers. Yes, Dr. Alper. Uh, David wants to know about uh, like during the, the winter, our feet get cracked because of the coldness. And what about lotion? Well, he's 100% correct. As it gets colder, the circulation goes deeper into our bodies which means you're not getting as much moisture from within your feet. You're not getting water from your blood hydrating the skin. And so it's important to add the moisture on the outside so it seeps in. Moisturizing your feet every day is not only a nice way of pampering yourself, it's really good medical care. Never between your toes. Do not put that cream between your toes because that skin's moist to begin with. A good basic moisturizing cream. We like lanolin a lot. So if it has a good lanolin content, that's a really great way of hydrating it. Though, frankly, I had patients that use bag balm and were really happy with it. But you are correct. You don't want to let the skin get cracking. Now, the other thing to remember is if you have an open wound on your foot, if you have a split that's bleeding or you can see blood or a crack anywhere in the skin, do not put the cream on. That is something that needs to be addressed by a professional. But otherwise, moisturize your way to happiness. After a shower is the best time to do it. But if you don't shower every day, put the cream on every day anyway. Fantastic. And we have one more question from Heinz. Heinz. Hey, um, why do we vascular patients feel like uh, we're always cold in the winter compared to normal people? I know I get cold. My my feet get colder, and I'm guilty of wearing socks. Yeah, Heinz, Heinz, that's a that's a that's a great question. You know, I, I would imagine you know your body's ninety eight point six degrees or thereabouts, and so during the winter, our our body temperature is probably higher than the the surrounding ambient air temperature, and then that heat is thus then flowing from your body out of your body into the surrounding areas. And so it can result in a, a little bit of a lower body temperature. And then couple that with uh, having potentially compromised vascular flow, particularly in the legs, and so, in, in addition to that. So I think it's probably a combination of, of those two things. At the end of the day, though, <clears throat> most people can feel cold, um, but that's probably mainly on their skin and not necessarily a, 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 co- a colder or a significantly colder bo- core body temperature. Tied into that, though, uh, do meds uh, complicate that any? Like uh, blood thinners? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 all I can say is that when we do procedures on patients and we give them blood thinners through the through into their arteries or, or in, through the veins, when you look at that blood, it is thinner. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know that a blood thinner actually causes it. It may, just, it may have to do with some dilation of the, of the skin um, kind of nerve endings and those tiny little capillaries at, at the skin level. Um, but, you know, I don't think any medicines per se are, are causing it, but if you like Dr. Elp has been saying, just keep keep your feet nice and nice and warm and wear socks. Always wear socks and shoes. I think that's the moral of the story. Wear socks, wear socks, wear socks, except when you go to bed and make sure they're not tight. 
<laughs> right. Yes. 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 So we've got about a minute left. And I told during the break, I said, all right, everybody's going to tell us what their favorite holiday or Christmas movie is. I'm going to go first. It's the Christmas story with a uh, little Ralphie and um, uh, what's the brother's name? I forget, but I love that movie. So Christmas story for me. <clears throat> Dr. Alper? Miracle on 34th Street. I'm showing my age I just a little bit. It. But I grew up with Macy's and so, uh, and happy endings. So Miracle black on 34th Black and white are the color version. Oh, black and white, please. Yes. Please. And me? Okay, here it goes. All right. Hallmark Channel, Holiday in Handcuffs with Mario Lopez, because I am still 47 and single. And I know <laughs> my dad wants me married off. And if it takes some handcuffs, we're no, I'm just kidding. Um, the you. Santa Claus actually is is one of my favorite movies with Tim Allen. I just love the happy ending, the moral of the story. And I, I love still the childhood fantasies that Santa Claus is still delivering presents. It's uh, you just have to believe. It's got to believe got to believe. <laughs> well, I believe it's about time we wrap it up here on the Heart of Innovation. Thank you, Dr. David Alper. Happy holidays to all of you for Dr. Phillips, for Douglas, for Hines, and all of our um, favorite viewers and listeners. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. Merry Christmas. Thanks, Happy everybody. Hanukkah. Take care. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.